Chapter 10. Understanding the Landscape When a boy turns 13, put him in a barrel and nail the lid on top. Feed him through the knothole. When he turns 16, put a plug in the knothole. Mark Twain If I could ask God a few questions, one would be, what did you have in mind when you created teenagers? I'm sure my mother had the same question. There were rational reasons why she affectionately called me idiot boy when I was a teen. I was an idiot, or at least I acted like one. I blew up mailboxes with M80 firecrackers and cherry bombs. I took a pickup from my dad's business on a joyride at 2 a.m. with seven of my buddies in the back. I could have killed them when I went around a corner going about 90 miles an hour, almost losing control of that pickup. I took a swing at my mom and fortunately missed. I raced my best friend in our dad's pickups on a gravel road without seatbelts. This resulted in my friend experiencing a rollover. He was okay, and somehow we managed to roll the truck over and get it back in its parking spot. To explain the damage, we made up an unbelievable yarn that nobody would have believed. Our parents sure didn't. And then there was the time I stole a pound of solid sodium from the school's chemistry lab. A buddy and I went out in the country to an old bridge, and we put this gray, clay-like substance into a small container and designed it so that the water would slowly seep in. If you've never witnessed what pure sodium does when it comes into contact with water, I have to say it really is cool, especially for a teenager. It explodes. My buddy and I walked out on the bridge and dropped our homemade bomb in the creek below. It was a good thing that the creek was at flood stage because the current carried the canister downstream before it blew up creating a huge eruption and shaking the bridge. In true teenage wisdom, my buddy and I looked at each other and agreed that it might not have been a good idea to remain standing on the bridge when we released that bomb. Looking back on it all, I'm grateful to God for all those angels he must have dispatched my way. And I'm thankful for grace, mercy, and forgiveness. I was indeed an idiot boy. You've been a boy and you've been a teenager. It's a confusing time, a time of raging hormones and emotional turmoil, a time of doubt, anger, and a maddening desire for independence, a time when you step back and forth between being a boy and being a man. Remember what it was like? A teenage boy is changing in strange and foreign ways. He experiences weird things like erections. What are you supposed to do with that thing? And wet dreams, what's that all about? Hair is growing in some bizarre places. Suddenly, waves of sexual desire and lust wash over him when he's near certain girls or when he saunters by a Victoria's Secret store in the mall or even when he looks at the swimsuit section of the J. Crew catalog. He's bombarded with bewildering images, thoughts, and choices about sex and morality. When should he begin having sex? How far is too far? Are his friends doing it? Is it cool to experiment with bisexuality? 
Does having sex prove he's a man? Is it okay to look at pornography? Will he lose his mind or grow hair on the palm of his hand if he masturbates? He faces relentless, unbelievable peer pressure, with friends inviting him to join in their barbaric ways, all disguised as fun, crazy, and rule-breaking. He battles an emotional upheaval of anger, and sometimes rage. At whom or what, he doesn't know. He's just angry. He feels a strong gravitational pull toward independence, to spin out of the family orbit and his parents' authority, and to prove himself. He struggles with doubt and anguish and faces relentless pressure to deal with expectations. Pressures to excel in academics and make the starting team in sports and study for SATs and earn money and please his parents and impress his friends. You know the result. A bevy of childish choices and a horde of adult consequences. Teenage boys want desperately to become men, but without training and guidance from an adult male, they will most likely take their cues on manhood from their peers and the culture. They will try to prove their manhood by indulging their lusts and fulfilling their desires. They'll avoid taking responsibility and will avoid commitment in their relationships. They will make foolish choices. Given the opportunity to go their own way, they'll remain in adolescence, and they'll stay there as long as they can. Did you know that the word teenager didn't even exist a hundred years ago? It didn't appear in Webster's Dictionary until 1921. Up until the early 1900s, most of the world's population thought of people in two categories, children or adults. Because of the need for help around the home, farm, and family business, children were raised to become functioning grown-ups by the time they reached 13 or 14. But with the Industrial Revolution, labor reform, and mandated education early in the 20th century, a gap began to open between childhood and adulthood, leaving a space of several years to be filled in with new imaginative possibilities. Over the past five decades, adolescence has become a full-blown life stage and a cultural phenomenon. With each new generation, we have lowered our expectations for teenagers. Today, most people in our culture believe that adolescence is a time when young men should have all kinds of freedom and fun. They're expected to rebel, experiment with risky choices, play games, look at pornography, have sex, and generally get into trouble. We expect teenagers to continue acting like children. As Alex Harris says in his blog, The Revolution, we expect immaturity and irresponsibility from teenagers, and that's exactly what we get. Many observers have noted that an increasing number of young men are prolonging adolescent behavior well into their 20s and even their 30s. They cram four years of college into six or seven, then they drift for a few more years, move back home, take a job or two that may or may not pay the bills, move in with the guys, then move back home, and then move back out again. Getting married is unthinkable. Instead, they spend their evenings partying with the guys and chasing women. For many, 
Settling down means leaving their hookup culture and living with a girlfriend. Sociologist Dr. Michael Kimmel writes of this phenomenon in his book, Guyland. He describes Guyland as the world in which young men live. It's both a stage of life, an undefined time span between adolescence and adulthood, that can often stretch for a decade or more. It's a bunch of places where guys gather to be guys with each other, unhassled by the demands of parents, girlfriends, jobs, kids, and the other nuisances of adult life. In this topsy-turvy Peter Pan mindset, Kimmel continues, young men shirk the responsibilities of adulthood and remain fixated on the trappings of boyhood, while the boys they still are struggle heroically to prove that they are real men, despite all the evidence to the contrary. Far too many of these young men are stuck on the adolescent step. To move through adolescence and learn how to become a man, a son needs his father's involvement. Sometimes that involvement comes in the form of encouragement, at other times as a verbal boot in the behind. Like the time when my oldest son, Ben, was prosecuting and persecuting his mother. He was about 16 and taller than she was. He was using his size and powers of persuasion to intimidate her when they argued. Arriving home one evening and finding my wife emotionally tied up in knots, I quickly determined it was time to have a little come-to-Jesus meeting with my teenage son. We went to a local diner and ordered a couple of Cokes. There was no way I was going to reward this kind of behavior with a burger. I grabbed a pair of salt and pepper shakers and said, here's what's happening in your relationship with your mom. When she makes a point... You move your level of emotional intensity and persuasion one level above hers. I moved the salt shaker just ahead of the pepper shaker. All of that causes your mom to increase her intensity as I move the pepper ahead of the salt. Then moving the salt past the pepper once again, I said, to which you respond and increase your intensity ahead of hers. I looked him straight in the eyes. Son, relationships are life. You have to learn how to admit you're wrong. You can't just hurt people by arguing and increasing the emotional intensity. Now, my emotional intensity was increasing, and I gave him a warning. You need to realize two things. First, I expect you to respect your mother. Secondly, I will not let you keep doing this. This is a battle you will not win. Behind your mother stands me. You will not win. Do you understand? That was a key moment for Ben to begin putting aside childish ways and to step up. It was also a time for me to step into the life of my teenage son in a purposeful way and help develop him into a man. We must reject the pull of our culture, which tells us to lower our expectations of our sons and let them drift through the adolescent years without any direction. They may not know it, 
and they may even tell us otherwise, but our sons need us in their lives now.